hello, friends, and welcome to episode 10 of the Grow Deeper podcast. My name's Ross. I'm here with Mike Holly. We are two pastors at Bluff Park United Methodist Church in Hoover, Alabama, and we are wrapping up our walk through Jonah today. It was it was a short trip through the book of Jonah because it's only four chapters, right? And this is our fourth episode on uh, on Jonah, and you know we have been looking at this in terms of what can we learn from from Jonah and his life, and and what can we learn about how we need to grow personally uh, beyond the limitations that we either accept for ourselves or that we place upon ourselves. Because here with the, the Grow Deeper podcast, we want to spend time focusing on, you know, scriptures or ideas or, or even questions, deep kind of burning questions about how we can grow deeper in faith and in life, how we can do that individually and how we can do that together. Right, because that, that's what we're all about here on the podcast is just, you know, we started off kind of talking about theories of growth and how we can begin to grow. And then we decided Jonah would be a good place to start with the with the scriptural side of this, right? To say, okay, well, let's start looking at some people in scripture and see how they grow or don't grow and what that sh- what, what kind of effect that should have on our trajectories. Yeah, and, and Jonah is that sort of perfect example of someone who fights against growing uh, he fights against developing into the person that God wants him to be. And we talked about that last week because even after he's in the belly of the fish, he does the bare minimum. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, so I guess let's remember the story, right? So he's called by God to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go. So he jumps on a ship to try to get away, right, to escape God's presence. A big storm comes upon the ship because, you know, he's running and God sends the storm and everybody figures out that it's Jonah, including Jonah. So he's like, you know what, just throw me off the boat. And, and the storm will stop, right? I'd rather right. die than go to Nineveh. So right. they throw him off the boat. He gets swallowed by a fish. He spends three days there, three days and three nights. The spit, the, the fish, what, burps him up is what we decided? Oh, yeah, like Spits that. Spits him up. And at that moment, you think, okay, all right, maybe Jonah's actually going to, he's going to go do it now, like, like with conviction and, and with energy. And then he goes up to Nineveh, does the bare minimum, turns and walks away, and the Ninevites make this massive turn back to God. Right. The, all they needed was that little nudge from him doing less than he was asked to do, apparently. Right. He goes up there and <laughs> says five words in Hebrew. Right. Five words. And it causes a whole capital, including the king, to turn from their wicked ways and turn back to God. And, and it's effective. What God wanted to happen, happens. But what we find out is that this is exactly what Jonah didn't want to happen. Yeah, you know, I think chapter three is like maybe a hint at where this is going to end when you see what Jonah's demeanor is and what his effort level is when sure. he goes to Nineveh. But chapter four, what Mike's about to read for us, it it really leaves no doubt when it comes to I mean, you could say Jonah's spiritual maturity. You could say Jonah's emotional maturity. Um, you could also just say Jonah's baggage with the Ninevites, right? And his unwillingness to, for him to personally forgive them, much less advocate for God's forgiveness for them. Sure. And you think about in terms of when do you really see people as they truly are? Um, you see people as they truly are when emotions are raw, when they're tired. I mean, Ross, recently we were on a trip and he saw me at my most tired ever and I was not firing in all cylinders. It wasn't. It wasn't. At all. Yeah. You know, we, we tend to sort of 
we're able most of the time to put ourselves together even better than we actually are. Right. But it's when we're kind of in that raw state, that sort of tired, emotionally drained state that sometimes the real thoughts, the real opinions, the real emotions come to the surface. And, and I think that's where we see Jonah here. Yeah. I really like phrasing it like that, that Jonah is raw here. I yeah. think that's a really good way to put it. He is. Um, and, you know, he's he's been through a lot in the sense of this this back and forth yin and yang, and he ended up going and doing something that we were about to see he really didn't want to do. Um, so, yeah, this is Jonah in a very raw place. All the filters are gone, and exactly. Jonah is letting it all hang out. So I guess, I guess take it away, Mike, for yeah. Jonah chapter 4. Here we are, chapter 4, starting with verse 1. But Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That this, what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I have not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from from their left, and also many animals. And that's it. That's where it ends. It feels like it's the very end of a conversation, but it doesn't end. Well, it's almost like it ends in the middle of a conversation. I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, book's over. That's it. That's all we get. I wonder how many of you listening had actually read that fourth chapter of Jonah. That'd be a good question. And and what do you think is the end result of this? Does, uh, you know, what after the, after God's conversation, does Jonah change? Does he go home? Does he die? I mean, it you know? seem, yeah, it seems like on purpose we don't know because I think knowing the outcome of that of Jonah is not really the point of the story yeah, for us. Sure, right? sure, right. Um, but yeah, so Ninevites are saved. You know, they're spared from God's wrath. Jonah is. He's pretty angry about that. Very angry. God sends a bush to give him shade. 
and then God takes it away. With one worm. And, That's a super worm. And Jonah gets real dramatic on us, right? It's better for me to die than to live. Right. And then God asks some, some tough questions of Jonah. Yeah. So here's, here's Jonah at, at his raw state. Even though he wanted the Ninevites to be punished, even though he showed up and gave those five words in Hebrew, there was a little part of him that hoped that God was not a God of steadfast love and, uh, and forgiveness, that God was, was not one who would shy away from calamity uh, when people showed that they were sorry. And he, he just is so angry about it. He, he feels like God's wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That he's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is always a sign that we're in danger. Yeah. And, you know, when I, when I look at chapter four and when I look at Jonah and where he is, right, emotionally and spiritually, I think he's just angry because he feels like people got something they didn't deserve. Mm. Right? I mean, don't you think Jonah looks at the Ninevites and says, you know, there may be other reasons, right? There may be more personal reasons that Jonah is upset about this, but at its core, he feels like God has given them something that they just don't deserve. Yeah. They just don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be spirit. They don't deserve to be forgiven in Jonah's eyes. And, and he's probably thinking about the very things we discussed at the very beginning uh, of Jonah, you know, knowing who the Ninevites are, what horrible things right, they've done. Right. The capital of the Assyrian Empire, known for how they treated prisoners and tortured folks and took advantage of people and, and wiped out civilizations and I mean, this is not a good group of people. So it's understandable, I guess, right? But is it is it this much anger that, that should be the response from Jonah? Well, and that, that's a question I think that, that shows our own limited um, understanding of the world and of God. And it kind of shows that, you know, we feel like this too. I mean, if you start saying, here's somebody that God forgave and and you start having that anger well up inside of you, like, but they did this to me and they did that to me. And all of a sudden you start to realize that you harbor all these uh, feelings that you may not have known about. And part of it is because you cannot believe that God would do that for someone that didn't deserve it. And secretly you may even think I deserve it more, more. than they do. I mean, I, I think we do this with our faith, like like what you're talking about. But I think we do this in everyday life, too, right? Like when someone steals the parking place that, you, that you're going for, right? They don't deserve that parking place. You deserve that parking I place. I circled this parking yeah. lot four times, yeah. you and you just, just show up. Yeah, you pulled in, and bam, you get a spot. I mean, we felt that before. But, but I think, too, like in the workplace, if somebody gets a raise that we feel like we deserve and they don't deserve it, I think oh, it yeah. can lead to an anger that is really similar to this. Or when we start comparing ourselves to others and somebody else gets a new house or a new car or whatever stuff, right, that we feel like we deserve more than they. I, I guess all I'm saying is I think we feel this sort of anger maybe more than we let on uh, and more than we show. I think it's a very relatable moment here from Jonah, even though he is being very dramatic. Yes. I, I think we can probably yes. relate a lot more to this anger than we, than we want to accept. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder how much of it is our own feelings, you know, maybe not for Jonah, but for us, is it our own feelings of not getting acknowledgement or not getting what we think we deserve? Yeah. And how much of it is Jonah or us 
um, looking at other people as less than they should be. Mm. You know, yeah, not not seeing sacred worth in folks. Yes. Yeah. And it's almost like their their actions or their history or something about them makes them less human than me or less good than me. Less worthy. Less worthy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, too, this is just a good little case study for us, right? Okay, so we agree that we feel this anger sometimes, too. This yes. is a relatable moment uh, that Jonah is Unfortunately, experiencing. yes. When Jonah gives in to this anger, when he lets it consume him, right? Because, I mean, that's what happens. The anger consumes him. I think it just blinds him to everything else around him, including the goodness of God, right? It just totally consumes him. It leads to alienation. I mean, mm-hmm. it leads to him being completely on, completely on his own. And I think we see the exact same thing happened in the parable of the prodigal son with mm-hmm. regards to the mm-hmm. elder brother, right? Different situation, but very similar sense of anger, right? Younger brother comes home. He's just you know, spent all of his inheritance and the father forgives him. And the elder brother says, uh-uh, I, you know, I deserve what you're going to give him, right? You shouldn't be throwing a party for him. You should be throwing a party for me. I'm the one that remained faithful. And in a really similar sense, it leads to the elder brother being alienated. He's outside. Yeah. He won't go into the party. He, he's by himself. So I think that's something worth chewing on for us. Uh, you know, with Jonah and the elder brother, I think the story makes sure we don't miss the fact that they are alienated from others by making them alone physically, right? Like Jonah is alone in the middle of the desert. The elder brother does not go in the party. He stays outside by himself. Maybe for us, it doesn't lead to physical alienation, but I think certainly spiritual and emotional alienation when we let this sort of anger consume us. You know, before we started recording, you were talking about this and you you said that when when we start uh, allowing anger or hate uh, to emotionally or spiritually alienate us, it's almost like we're the ones building the wall around ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, I know I can think back to times in my life where I have done this. You get super angry about something uh, with, with regards to folks getting what they don't deserve, right? Super angry, it consumes you and you start to build walls. And I think the way the walls present themselves is it doesn't matter what anyone says to you, right? And in Jonah's case, it doesn't even matter what God says to him. Right. He can't see it. it. He is totally consumed by his anger, and it just leads to him being more and more and more alone. It just leads to isolation. And, and think about how when we do this and we have a disagreement with someone who says, you know, hey, you need to see this another way. They're our friend. They're not the one that wronged us or that, you know, we feel that they don't deserve but we still wall them off too mm-hmm. because we don't want to hear a different story because we would rather sulk in our hate and anger like Jonah sitting outside the city. And so, like you said, it's not just that we're alienating ourselves from the people we think don't deserve it. Sometimes we alienate ourselves from everyone. Yeah. Take away my life. Right. I mean, Jonah, again, it's dramatic, right? And I don't know, maybe we can't relate to this fullest extent of this anger, but Jonah would rather die. Jonah would rather die than come to the reality that the Ninevites have been forgiven and that God is a God of goodness and grace and forgiveness, whether he likes it or not. And and what does that say? He doesn't want to change. Yeah. He doesn't want to live a life where he is asked to be more gracious and forgiving and accepting of people like the Ninevites. And I think maybe I said something like this last week, but that's really challenging for me. Jonah, at the end, he does not want to change. He has had a miraculous encounter with God, 
through the belly of the fish. And he seems to be aware of it. And he still doesn't want to change. That's that's hard for me to stomach, right? Yeah. Because I think oftentimes we think, well, if I could just have a knock him dead moment with God where he just blows my mind, right? Where I see him with more clarity than I ever have before. Then I, I don't think I would have any trouble stepping out on faith to do whatever God has called me to do. Well, Jonah has that moment and he still doesn't seem to want to change. He doesn't want to grow. He admits to God that he knew before he left town, before he ran away towards Tarshish, I knew you. I knew who you were. I knew what you were going to do. Why did that even come, right? I mean, he knew, he already saw God clearly and he still didn't do it. And so that's a question. I think that's a fair question is even if I had all the information, would I still allow myself to, to enter into this unknown to this change? And, you know, maybe I'm more confident in myself than I, than I should be. But, but I think that this shows that some of us, maybe all of us are so closed off to some area of our lives being changed or redeemed by God that we would rather Mm. go pout under a tree or even ask for God to end our lives. And I think this is really powerful too, right? So, so we get to Jonah pouting, full on pouting, right? God sends the, the tree or the leaf or whatever your, whatever your Bible says, right? And he enjoys it. He's happy because he has shade and then God takes it away with a worm. And he is like, when I, Read this and picture Jonah in my head in this moment. I just picture a two-year-old flailing, just throwing a full-on no-shame temper tantrum, right? With no boundaries, no borders, all over the place, screaming, crying, not rat, you know, just all in temper tantrum. And then God engages him mm-hmm. despite that. And he asks him a question. Is it right for you to be angry? Yeah. And that's that number one, that is a question worth us going deeper with because how powerful a question is that? But, you know, you're, you're talking about, um, Jonah being like that child, just sitting there screaming and, and, and throwing a tantrum. And, and I know that there are some parents that give in to that, you know, and, and that works for some kids and they learn that, that if they cry hard enough or they make if, enough if they of make a scene, it, yeah, big enough scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yep. maybe the parent will do that. Yep. But let me tell you, I've got friends I know they never give in to that, but the kid still does it. And it's yep. irrational. Yep. It, and, and it's mainly, I think, probably that they just don't feel like they're in control of their situation and they're trying to, you know, let all that emotion of feeling out of control out. But if they are trying to get something they want, they're doing a very bad job of, of getting it. And Jonah is, is not going to change God's mind with all this. Um, he's not going to change the, the scenario. He's not going to see the Ninevites mm. see calamity, even though he sits out there seeing what's going to happen. I mean, isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard? He knows God is not going to do anything, and yet he still goes out and sits there waiting for something to happen. You know, usually when I see that happen with a kid, right, like I'm thinking about it happening in a grocery store or something, I feel like usually I see the parent, uh, and I think these are two totally acceptable ways to respond to your child throwing a temper tantrum. Sure either grabbing the child by the arm and taking them outside of the store, right? Or getting down on a knee and having a conversation with engaging the, the child to, to try and calm them down. And mm-hmm. I, I just think it's so powerful that I think God in this moment takes a knee yeah. and, and leans into Jonah despite his ridiculousness. And I think that's really hopeful for us, right? I mean, we worship a God 
that will lean into us and sit with us in moments like this, regardless of how ridiculous or blind we are in that moment. You know, in, in those moments, usually it's like um, with the child, why are you so angry? Or, you know, what do or, you really want? Or we talked about this, remember? Right. We talked about this before we came in the store. Yeah. yeah. It's it's all. I think that's more of the response that God has. Like, think about this, Jonah. Right. You know me. Is it right for you to be angry? And and I think that that's a different question than that scenario in the in the store. But it's still so similar. It's not just why are you angry. It's is it right for you to be angry? And so me and Mike were sitting here talking about is the answer to that question ever yes. And if it is, when, right? God asks a really great question. Is it right for you to be angry? The inference behind that is, is that sometimes as a people of faith, maybe it is right for us to be angry. And other times it's not right. Like, I think we could all say for Jonah here, no, it's not right for him to be angry. No, this is not righteous anger. Not for this. But what is righteous anger? And normally when I hear about righteous anger, you hear the story of of Jesus uh, upending the tables of the money changers in the right. temple. Right? That's probably the first thing everybody thinks of. Right. Yeah. That that Jesus sees this sinful behavior that doesn't honor God, uh, that's ripping off people with a little bit of money mm-hmm. because they have to change yep. their money from uh, Roman coins to shekels yep. that didn't have the image of Caesar on it, so they could use it in the temple. Uh, yada yada yada. So you know, yes. Um, does and Jesus gets a whip. I mean, how many times? Do we envision Jesus as this sort of— full on Indiana Jones, man. He's this nice, peaceful guy. And then, you know, here he is. He gets a whip, right? Um, He gets a whip when people are being taken advantage of. And so that's the point, is that sometimes righteous anger is related to when God and his people are taken advantage of when injustice happens Mm. to people. Mm. And you see this in the Old Testament, too. It's not just something in the New Testament, you know— the kings uh, hear from prophets all the time. You are an unjust king. You are not taking care of your people. God's judgment is upon you. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't think we're going to go too much deeper into that, but who knew that Jonah caused us to question what is and what isn't righteous anger for us as a people of faith? Yeah, and, and but it goes deeper than that too, Ross, because then the answer is, well, what is the appropriate use of righteous anger? Mm-hmm. And what can you do? I mean, is if you have righteous anger, can you do anything in the name of God? Mm. No. You know, you can't do something that God would not want us to do in that. So even though there is a possibility for righteous anger, it doesn't mean that it can be handled, mm. um, you know, in an unholy way. But you're right. This is a kind of no-brainer. It's not right for Jonah to be angry. And God's trying to help Jonah grow to be able to see that. And Jonah is resisting yeah, his, every step yeah. of the way to his, grow beyond where he is. I mean, God says, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then God says, look, Jonah, try and see this for just, you're concerned about a bush that you did nothing to cause to grow. You did no labor for this bush to exist. Right. And now you're angry about that? And, and I shouldn't be concerned about Nineveh? Like, do you see w- what you're doing here? You're angry about a bush that you did nothing to grow, and now you're telling me that I shouldn't care about Nineveh. He had the, he had the bush or the tree, whatever it is, for a day. <laughs> one day, one night, and then it perished overnight. And yep. now he's—listen, I mean, man, if, if you're hot, I mean, I, I am 
Uh, when you're seeing red. Oh, I am somebody yeah. who is, his, he gets hot very easily, right? Um, but listen, when you're hot and you're miserable, oof. But still, one day, and he's angry enough to die over this thing. Mm. And, and God's saying, don't you think I care about the Ninevites? All, it was 120,000. And all the animals. And all the animals. Here, you know, if you're a if you're a animal lover, a pet that lover, are children of God. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like Jonah. You, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. What what you're calling me to do here, and what you're modeling. God loves our enemies just as much as He loves us, and that goes back to the whole. They don't deserve it because I'm faithful. I go to church. God loves them just as much as God loves us. They're children of God too. Okay, so so here we are. The, the book ends here, right? I mean, that's the last conversation that, that Jonah and God have in the book. The book ends. Um, what are we supposed to do if we find ourselves where Jonah finds himself at the end of the book? We find ourselves giving in to this consuming anger uh, at folks, at a group of people, at an individual for getting something that we don't think they deserve, that right. we think we deserve more. What, what's the move? How do we climb out of that hole? Because Jonah really doesn't give us the answer, in a sense. It gives us direction, but it doesn't give us a model. It orients us, right? I mean, Jonah should open his eyes and see that whether or not they are people that have done bad things or not, they still deserve a second chance. I think Jonah should open his eyes and remember his story. Right, mm. he runs from God, and God still saves him. Mm-mm. He does the absolute minimum in Nineveh, and God saves the Ninevites. He yells at God for being good and compassionate, and he begs for death, and God still shows him love and grace. I think Jonah's problem is that he can't see that he has already received what he didn't deserve. Mm. Preach. Right? He does. I mean, he did, just like all of us. Jonah's no different from us. He's run away from God. He he is yelling at God's face. He's run away from God. He didn't deserve to be saved. He's done something good that he didn't deserve to do, right? And with God, saving the Ninevites, being being the vessel for that message, he responds to that goodness with anger, and then he begs for death. He wants to take away the gift of life that God gave him. Uh And God responds with grace and love. He doesn't deserve it, but that's what he receives. But he is so consumed by it that he, he, can't, he can't see it around him. So maybe that's our answer, right? If, if we find ourselves in that situation, the first thing we should do is remember that we have received what we, too, don't deserve. And we've been talking about that recently as we've been talking about how to become more generous in our, in our lives. And the very first step we, we talked about in our sermons related to that is gratitude that you look around and see what you have, what you've been given. And, and from Jonah, we, we realize that a lot of what we have, we didn't deserve, we didn't earn. It's a gift. Or just owning the fact, right? Like for me, if I only received from God what I deserved, I wouldn't be in a good spot. No, not at all. Wouldn't be in a good spot. Not at all. And I'm guessing that you're not any different. So, I mean, maybe that... Maybe that has to be our, our backbone. Uh, maybe that has to be what we always go back to uh, in order to avoid ending up where Jonah ends up at the end of the story. Mm-hmm. 
So, and I think that maybe God's question can be directed to to you, listener, uh, as well as to to Ross and myself along the way. If if we are harboring hate or anger, you know, actively, unbiasedly trying to answer that question, is it right? If it's not, then I need to grow beyond it. Mm. I need to let it go. If it is right for me to be angry, how do I do something productive and and beneficial with it instead of continuing to, you know, perpetrate some sort of cycle of of mm. anger that never really unfolds to something mm. better? Um, but it can go beyond anger and hate. You know, is it is it really right for you to be sad about this? Is it really right for you to continue to treat people like this? Whatever it is, is it right? And and to not think about it in terms of where we are, because like Jonah, we sometimes get trapped in our viewpoint, but to really try to step out and see it from God's mm. vantage point mm. and to see if we can change and even grow because of that. Yeah. And I think also uh, understanding that when we remember that we've received what we also did not deserve, and we even celebrate that, mm. I think it begins to alleviate that alienation. Because I, the more that we celebrate that, the more we see other people are in the same boat. Yeah, I and think we're it, brothers and sisters. Yeah, and it, it draws us closer to God, and yeah. I think it draws us closer to our neighbors. And honestly, I think it leaves us with a joyful heart instead of a heart full of anger. Remembering what we have already been given, I think, will begin to alleviate the anger and draw us back into uh, the community that we're called to live in with God and with our neighbors. Well, well, there you go. That's Jonah. the book of Jonah. Jonah, you heard it here first. It's a powerful book. Uh, go back and listen to the episodes again for these four chapters, because maybe uh, now knowing the end, you might see things from a different vantage point. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those books for me that I feel like every time I read it, I tend to notice something different, or I see myself in the story in a way that I didn't before. Yeah. So well, and and next week we're going to come back. We're going to start a new book of the Bible, and we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, more about how we can grow and how these examples give us an idea of how to live with um, excellence and care and compassion. So we hope to join us. I uh, hope you join us next week. Yep. See you next week, friends.